Hi there, I'm Sarah Zarella, a portrait and wedding photographer and your host for Wedding Secrets Unveiled. This is a podcast where we cut through the complexity of wedding planning, leaving you with everything you need to know direct from the industry experts. If you want to simplify your wedding planning while having fun, of course, you came to the right place. Join me while I guide you through your planning, starting from your engagement to your big day where you say, I do. After photographing for the past 18 years, I am sharing with you tips and tricks to cut through the excess noise because I believe from the moment you said yes, your planning experience should be a magical time in your life. Here you'll find episodes that are fun, stress-free, and straight to the point with a fresh, honest take about the reality of what you really need to know about planning your perfect day. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. You are in for a treat today. I'm excited to introduce you to a close friend of mine, Bria Hutchinson from Hutchinson Financial. She is not only an expert in financial planning and my personal financial planner, but she's also a very close friend of mine. Bria and I actually grew up knowing each other as kids and playing on the docks of the Greenwich Marina right here in Little Rhodey next to Cellos on the Waterfront. For those Rhode Islanders, you are exactly where I'm talking about. I called Bria about a month ago to be a guest on the show because I knew she really could help you in your financial planning. See, getting married is not only about the wedding day, but it's also about the new chapter in your life. Yes, picking out flowers and tasting the cake, along with coming up with a signature drink and finding the perfect wedding dress, is all fun and part of the wedding planning process. But there's also a very practical part, what some may call maybe a very important part. She will be unveiling the secrets and the tips of how to come up with a financial plan for your new chapter in your life. We're calling this episode, Financial Things to Do Before You Say I Do. Bria will be sharing how opening up about your finances to your fiancé and discussing debt, income, savings, and obligations is such a vital part of the successful marriage. She's going to walk us through about how to make a plan. And also, too, will you be commingling your money or will you not be commingling your money? She'll be sharing views on savings, retirement, etc. And finally, she's going to chat with us a little bit about tips about unveiling the communication process about money, spending, and savings. This is a very practical conversation along with an important conversation all at the same time. So I hope you guys enjoy, sit back, and relax, and listen to my conversation with Bria. So let's dive in. Well, welcome, Bria. Well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know that when I started doing this podcast, you were one of the first ones I called. I said, Bria, will you be a guest on my show? Because I just felt felt like it's so important um, when you're getting married to also think about the marriage, not not just the wedding day. Absolutely. So I appreciate you being here, and I would love for you to let our listeners know who you are, who you serve, and what you do in your business. Sure. So my name is Bria Hutchinson. I own Hutchinson Financial. We're located in West Warwick, Rhode Island. We service Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, New New Hampshire, and and many more states because I have clients that move all over, and we follow them. Um, I've been in the business for 18 years. I have a background in finance. I have an MBA. Um, I help clients plan financially. I help them establish uh, financial goals. I help them create a plan, <clears throat> excuse me, um, to be able to accomplish those goals and ultimately build wealth over the time of their life. So how many years have you been doing this? This is my 18th year. 
18. Hey, crazy. I've been we're do- not old enough, right? <laughs> no, you know what? I've been doing photography for 18 years. It's crazy. It's crazy. And time flies when you're having fun. I really do enjoy my job. So I know. Actually, you know, I, I talked a little bit about in the opening how we grew up together, but then there was those years apart. You know, when you went to college, I went to college, and then we reconnected. When I got engaged. Yep. At, and also, too, at a B&I group when we first started. So I invited you to that B&I group. Yes. Yeah. So I got engaged, and my mother had said to me, oh, you know who does photography? Sarah Zarella's back in town, and she does photography. You should have her do your engagement session. And I said, that's fantastic. I'll definitely reach out. So we and we went out. to Garden Park. <clears throat> yep, we went to Garden Park, and we did um, the picture, beautiful pictures on on the beach, and it was wonderful. And then we kind of, I, I mentioned the BNI group to you, and and then it's actually funny because we're still very good friends with a good group of girls mm-hmm. that we met from that BNI group. So you know, it's fate. It was nice. Yeah, we all were starting our career at the same time. Yep. 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 Yeah. So yep. and that was so I'll be married fifteen years in August. So that was that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. It was about 16 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, because it was about a year before your wedding. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And now here we are, and you're a very successful financial planner, and that's why I really think it was important to have you on. I really want you to kind of help our listeners. I mean, keep in mind, they're just starting out. They're starting out mm-hmm. where you were 16 years ago, getting married, and and um, that comes with a lot of heavy decisions. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of people, when they're getting married, put so much time and energy into planning for the actual wedding. It, it's not so much planning for the marriage. You know, there's so much more that goes into two people taking their lives and, and merging them together um, after that day. You know, so, it, it, you know, you got to think of things like this. You need to think what's what's going to happen after that day is complete. What happens after that? Have we prepared for that? And finance, doing fine, you know, talking about finances and going through some of these important steps that we're going to talk about today is something that I think is really important to do before you get married. Um, so you can open that communication. Um, you can be really transparent with um, with money and finances with your with your partner, and um, hopefully set the stage for a really successful marriage. So, Bria, you mentioned about being transparent. How important is it for you to be fully transparent about your money to your fiancé before you get married? So I think it's extremely important. Um, You know, people grow up in different households. So it's really important for you to understand how your fiancé relates to money. You know, if you've got two individuals and one grew up in an affluent um, household who looked and, and spent money and saved money differently than, say, maybe their partner who maybe grew up uh, struggling a little bit more, um, they're gonna they're gonna relate to money differently, and it's important to really understand how your soon to be spouse is going to relate to money. So I think it's really important that you kind of talk about financial backgrounds. Um, I also think it's really important to think about financial goals. So you know what's important to you? Is it important to me? What would be important for the two of us as we move forward in our marriage? Things like. Simple things like, do you see yourself as owning a house or have you never really thought about owning a house? Things that you might take for granted that someone's going to say yes to, that might not be the case. Maybe they grew up in a house that they never, their parents never owned. So maybe owning property isn't important to them, you know. Um, and then you can go into much deeper things such as, you know, are, are, do you guys want children? And if you want children, have you thought about how you're going to pay for that education? Is that something that's important? I have a lot of clients that sometimes get caught up in things like that later on. Um, for instance, you know, one says, no, my parents paid for my education. It's really important that I pay for my kid's education. And then we've got the other spouse saying, 
I paid for every penny of my education and I think I got the most out of it because I had something invested in it and I don't want to pay for my kids' education. Well, that's that's a fight 10 years later, 15, 20 years later, you know. Um, so I think it's important just to kind of throw that kind of stuff out there and make sure that you can communicate and openly talk about those things without having it cause a fight. And that way there you just, you're aware. You're aware of how they feel about certain goals. That's actually some great points because, you know, some people might take for granted about owning that house or if you want kids and paying for the education. But like you said, if you just think about, I guess your advice is think about what's important to you and just ask them, right? Just ask them and open open the conversation. Um, a really big one that I see a lot too is maybe one spouse, when they when they if they decide to have children, really it's important for them to stay home. And, and maybe the other spouse is saying, no, I'm not okay with being the, the breadwinner and having all that pressure on me. You know, those are things that you really want to talk about. Not that it's going to stop you from getting married and walking down the aisle, but it's going to open that conversation so you feel more comfortable discussing it later on and it doesn't go into a fight like, you didn't mention that to me. This is really important. You know, it's, it's nice to be able to just open those conversations and um, at least get it on the table about how you're feeling so that it's not a surprise to them later on. And also, too, like you said, I mean, it's nothing that's going to make or break it. I mean, things can also change, too. I mean, you might think that you want to be a, a one-income household, and then maybe down the road you have to be a two-income household. Or, right. But, it, but it's at least opening up the communication about the finances. Yeah, so, so it's not a surprise later. Right. You just don't want surprises. So what about, like, talking about the obligations and the savings and Ugh. can we get into debt? And debt? <laughs> oh, I, so, I didn't want to bring up the D word. I know. Nobody does. Nobody does. But I see this more and more these days because, obviously, you know, college education is really expensive. So if you've got, you know, a couple that have gone to college, a lot of times they might have some student loan debt. And we're seeing that that amount rise more and more these days. Um also, when you're young, you make stupid, you know, you make stupid decisions and stupid mistakes. So we see a lot of credit card debt for younger individuals. Um, so I think it's really important when you marry someone legally, you're you're joining yourself to them. So, Bria, let's talk a little bit about income, savings, obligations and debt. I know nobody wants to talk about it, but it's there. It really is there. Um you know, nowadays we see college education is getting more and more expensive. We're seeing younger individuals leaving college with extreme amounts of debt. Um, you know, when you're young, you make stupid decisions. A lot of times if you didn't go to college, maybe you have some credit card debt. Maybe you didn't pay a couple bills here and there and it's affected your credit. Um, you know, if, if I if I had a dollar for every person I saw who was in debt and still drove a BMW, I'd I'd be I'd be rich. You know, it's it's amazing what you see when when you when you're working with younger individuals who just don't really understand the financial world yet and they're still finding their way. So I really find it important for individuals who are you're going to be taking your two lives and you're going to be marrying them as one legally. Um, you're bound to each other. I think it's really important to know what you're getting into. You know, what do they have for debt? Is there a plan for paying off that debt? Are they making regular payments? Um, you know, how has it affected their credit score? You know, just something silly. But if you do decide that one of your goals is to buy a house, do you know that if you need to buy it together, which most people do when they're married, they're going to take the credit score, whatever the lower credit score is, that's what they're going to apply for the mortgage with. 
you know, somebody could have a credit score in the 800s and your spouse could have one in the 600s. And when you go to apply for that mortgage together, they're going to look at the 600 one. They go with the worst one. So it's, it's really important for you to know these things. Again, not so that you say, I'm not walking down the aisle, I'm done, you know. That's not the key. The key is just to be transparent. We don't want surprises later on. And also too knowledgeable. I mean, you did mention something. We joked about it, but you said, you know, for all those people who are driving the really fancy car, but then they're in debt. I mean, you really want to make sure that you know exactly what's happening and what you are walking into. Absolutely. Um, I mean... Nobody wants to talk about the debt word, the D word. No one wants to talk about the divorce word. We don't want to talk about that. But there right. is a le- the, the number one leading cause of divorce is finances. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a good part of that could be resolved if people are more honest and open before marriage on how they feel about money, how they're going to treat money. Are you a saver? Are you a spender? That's a huge thing. I see that with clients all the time they come in and their biggest argument is I'm trying to save and they're spending. How do we, how do we, how do we go move past this? So maybe what you're saying, one of the successful keys of starting off on the right foot for a marriage would be contacting a financial planner right away. And then you can help them with a plan? Or Absolutely. I- Absolutely. I think a lot of people have the misconception that financial advisors are people who help people with money. And that is not what we are here for. I mean, obviously, if you have money, we will help you manage that. But the key is for a financial advisor is for education. We want to educate you on so the things. So even if you're just starting out, sorry, not to interrupt you, but yep, you're absolutely. saying even if you're just starting out and you're and you maybe not, maybe you are in debt and yep. you don't have savings. It's still okay to get a financial planner on board. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you find the right financial advisor, um, a lot of people will come to me and say, I I can't afford you. And I I say, well, how much do you think I cost? You know, what do you mean you can't afford me? What will save you on the back end is going to be well worth it. But we're also people too. You know, we work with people. We have, um, you know, my firm in general, we have advice pay where we can charge you a very small amount monthly that you just, and then we're your resource for all things financial. We help you with the budget. We help you with goals. We do your financial planning. We'll help you with your investments. But every millionaire from tomorrow has to start somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get the proper financial education in the beginning of their adult life, then they're never going to have those key components to be able to build that wealth for later on. So we don't want people not to reach out and we don't want people not to get that advice because they think they can't afford it. Um, That's silly. So you can really just help couples from the moment that they put that ring on, on each other's fingers, you know, well, not each other, the one finger, <laughs> fair enough, one finger, um, to really starting to help them ask the questions that need to be asked, setting up a plan, talking about the debt and, and the goal to get them out of that, also to the savings and that you can just, you can set them up from we the do. very beginning. We do. And you know what? Sometimes by meeting with somebody who's a third party, you know, I always joke with my clients and say, listen, if you set goals and you're not accomplishing those goals, wouldn't it be better if I'm the one that holds you accountable? It's, it's hard for couples to hold themselves accountable because it causes friction, you know, whereas if you've got somebody else holding you accountable, it's a little easier. It's that, you know, oh, well, Bria said we can't go to dinner tonight because, you know, we set our goal and we already hit that for the month, you know? I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I love talking finance with, with Steve. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Actually, let's back up for a Sarah second. really hides under the bed oh, when we talk God. about finances. Don't let her fool you. <laughs> Bria, you know this. It's like... <laughs> So just as I told you guys, Bree is my financial planner. <laughs> she does house visits, by the way, and she'll come over 
and we'll sit around the kitchen counter, and now I have to put, like, Bria's financial planning cap on, not Bria, my friend. <laughs> and she'll start talking to me, and I'm literally just staring. <laughs> I lose her about three <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> I, I get it. I just, it's just not my cup of tea. And, you know, but funny enough, I, in, in my household, I'm the one that goes through the bills. So, um, uh, you know, I'm just, just a little bit more organized, let's just say. <laughs> so, you know, and Bria actually, for those people who are listening, she'll set you up with this whole software system that you can put all, like, actually, it doesn't, you don't even, you don't even do it. it the, the, it's the, called eMoney. Yes. And it's an online program that really manages all your finances. Yeah. So if you use, um, you know, for me, I use a debit card and a credit card, basically to pay for everything. Um, very seldom do I actually have cash on me. It's pretty, it's pretty sad. Um, it's not years ago when, you know, I was bartending and I could put a couple of 20s in my pocket. Right. Now my paycheck goes into my banking account and I never go and take it out. So um, if you use your debit card to pay things like your mortgage and your car payment and your, you know, maybe your cable bill or whatever it might be that comes automatically out of your banking account, and then you've got your credit card for all your other incidentals that you might do, um, you can actually link those to the eMoney software and it'll pull in all your expenses and it'll analyze your spending, which is really great because the budget, I, I know everyone hates the B word too, mm-hmm. budget. Who wants to spend the time to say this is what's coming in mm-hmm. and this is what's going out? Well, we have programs that do that now for you. I love it because, you know, we talked about how you start talking money to me and my eyes go across. But you know what? With this little software that I plug in each month, it does pie charts for me. It does. It does yeah. graphs for me. <laughs> I mean, it puts it in categories. Yeah. You can even set, you can even set limits. Like I only want to spend, you know, $400 a month with going out to dinner. And you can set a limit. It's not going to stop you. It's not going to cut you off if you right. go over. It's right. not going to decline your credit card. But it'll tell you, hey, you're, you're $50 over for the month. So you know and you can, you know, uh, you know, change if you want to for the next month. Um, but we do. We have software like that that will help. Um, you know, budgeting is really important for, for a younger, especially younger um, couples who are just, you know, getting married or getting engaged. Knowing what you have coming in, knowing where it's, where it's going. Um, the biggest, I mean, I'm married for 15 years now, almost 15 years. I've got two young children. I can promise you finances are only going to get more difficult and more complicated as you get older. So setting some really good goals and, and, um, and limits, I would say, um, when you're younger and sticking to those is such a good thing to do. Um, and it's only going to be successful for you later on. So basically, Brie, you're like the money police, right? <laughs> I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> exactly. So I, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, should newly married couples, should they co-mingle their finances? And if so, or if not, what's the pros and cons of each? Yeah. So this is such a personal decision. Um, you know, I have seen more, you know, in the beginning of my career 18 years ago, nobody kept their finances separate when they were married. I mean, it was really, I would see it every once in a while when it was a second marriage for an older couple. Um, but um, typically when I was working with the married couple, they they had um, commingled funds. These days, oh, I, so you're seeing a trend. Then. I, I'm seeing a trend that okay. it's changing. Now I'm starting to see it a lot more where their finances stay separate. Um, and I think that there's a com- there's a combination of why that is the case. Maybe you have one person who's much more in debt than the other, and you know the person who's not in debt says, "I don't I don't want to take that on. That's their responsibility. Let's keep our finance." You know, there's a lot of different reasons why they might keep them separate, but I think that there are some benefits to both. Um, and it's a personal decision on how they, they feel. Um, my my thought process is it's easier to do planning when you have commingled funds. 
it's really hard sometimes when if you're keeping money separately to determine who pays for what. You know, so you could easily say these are the household expenses and each person's going to put $1,500 into the pot and pay for all the household expenses. Great. But now let's say the yard work needs mulch. And then you've got, and then you're constantly going to your spouse and saying, oh, you owe me 150 You owe me $75. Oh, I bought a rake the other day. You owe me 20 bucks. You know, it can get complicated. And when children come, it gets even more complicated. Who's picking up the diapers? Who's buying food? Who's buying formula? You know, and it gets really complicated with who's spending what. When you're married, it's much easier to just say, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is our world. And, 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 you know, whatever you make is mine and whatever I make is, is yours. And I think it tends to be a little bit easier. But then the downside of that is sometimes you can get into arguments about what the other spending money on. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes what I recommend, um, and this can work well for some people, is maybe you manage your finances together and you commingle the funds. Um, it's always really important at a bank that you put two names on a banking account because if you keep banking accounts separate, if God forbid something happened to your spouse, the other money doesn't go directly to you. It has to go through probate, and it gets complicated. Ooh, note to self, guys. Listen yeah, to me. I know you have little... an attorney coming on, but and, and I'm sure they'll probably talk about that at some point, no, or maybe but, they did. But that's a good point, note to self. You know, that's a good yeah. little tip right there. So right. you're saying just plug that tip again because that was a good one. So you want to make sure when, you're at, when you have accounts at a bank, um, you want to make sure that there's two names on that bank account. If you've got, if my husband and I have separate bank accounts and I've got only my name on my bank account and he's got only his on his, um, bank accounts don't have beneficiaries listed on them. So if something were to happen to me, my accounts don't go directly to him because his name's not on them. He actually has to go through probate to prove that he's the rightful beneficiary, beneficiary owner of that. And it just, it's complicated and it takes money and it takes time and it's pain. So I say, even if it's your money and you're managing it separately from your husband, you might want to just throw their name on it mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that that's taken care of. Um, but what can sometimes work is maybe you commingle your funds and maybe each of you holds one separate savings account that is in both your names, but one is for one spouse, one's for the other. And maybe you come up with a number. Maybe you say, okay, for 50 bucks a month goes into those accounts. And that's my extra stuff that I can do and the extra stuff that the other spouse can do. And then that way there, if you want to like buy a gift for your spouse, you can either save that money up and use that or, you know, or buy a cheaper gift. Whatever you want to do, it's it's not like you're you're buying your own gift as mm-hmm. the other spouse. So sometimes that works really well too. That's nice too because then like you said, like you know, it's something special. It's your it's your entertainment money, you right. know? Right. So it's your little extra. You you you're a little extra. So what are some of the um you talked about some of the pros on commingling because it's just obviously a lot easier. Um, to financial plan and also to you're not then kind of just going through the nitty-gritty of like oh you owe me this or I paid for this what are um, some of the pros of separating and and not commingling then so you're not really in control of what your what your partner's spending so that it takes that fight out <laughs> Fair enough. you know you know oh so you spend you know hundred and fifty dollars on a spa day last month you know we you know that's you know we can't really afford that you know they don't know. It's, 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 you know. They don't know what you're spending your extra money on it. All they know is that you made the commitment to the, the household and you made that. They don't know what the extra money is going So there's towards. no argument there. There's no argument there. <laughs> but I will tell you, 
it can it can open the door for other arguments. So let's just say that one spouse is doing better than the other financially. Let's say one makes more than the other. Well, you want to go on a family vacation. What if one spouse can afford it and the other one says, I can't? Oh, boy. Do, do you go without the other spouse? <laughs> or what do you know? <laughs> Good God, so much to think about here. You know, which can happen if you've got somebody who's making more than the other. Also, it's important to talk about things like how much are you putting away for retirement? Mm -hmm. Are you are you saving for your part of the retirement here in this relationship? You know, if you've got somebody who's maybe got less disp dispensable cash, but it's because they're putting 10% into their retirement fund, and then you've got one spouse who's got a lot more cash, but they're putting nothing towards their retirement fund. Well, I can see that being a big issue That's come a big 65 issue. and one's retiring and the other one can't, right. you know. Um, and I have clients that come to me that say, I want to do some financial planning. And I say, oh, you single? No, but my, I'm, not, I'm just going to do my financial planning. And I say, okay, what's the deal? Is your spouse just not going to ever retire? <laughs> and they say, well, that's, that's, you know, his or her problem. And I say, okay, well, what happens if they plan to never retire and they don't do their job saving? But what if they become disabled at 75? You know, that's going to affect your retirement, right? So just like, you know, their debt affects you later on, like an accident or yeah, something. Yeah, lack of planning. Lack of planning. Um, you know, and also, too, like you said, maybe one of the – the pros of not commingling is you don't take on their debt, you know. But like you said, down the road, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the future is going to entail. If you have one one spouse go on disability, then you know can change everything. Change everything. You know, and and I don't necessarily always think it's a really bad thing to have to take on a spouse's debt. You know, my own situation, I was lucky enough to have parents that paid for my education one hundred percent. My husband also has a master's degree. He paid for every penny himself. Um, you know, when we got married, he had student loan debt, but we tackled it as a couple. You know, we sat down, we went through our finances. It helped that I was a financial advisor and I understood this <laughs> stuff because <laughs> I was like, this is what you're going to do. Right. This is how we're going to do it. Um, but we went through it and we were able to get him out of that debt much quicker as a couple working together than he would have ever been able to do on his own. So, you know, sometimes that's that's a good thing, um, but it has to be something that you discuss and you feel comfortable with whatever plan you move forward with. Well, that actually leads me to my next question because you're kind of talking about what you did in your personal story when you first got married, but what is some key pieces of financial advice for newly engaged couples and newlyweds that you can give to them? So my biggest thing would be... Um, be transparent with your finances. Don't hide anything. Make sure you're really honest with with what your income is, what your debt is. Um, and then secondly, plan. Plan together. Have it be the first thing you do as a couple. You know, get together with an advisor and start building a financial plan together. Um, so that you can you can feel like you're doing something together moving forward as a as a couple. Bria, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, I think we should talk a little bit about the communication around money, spending, and savings. Absolutely. Sounds great. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. And don't forget, you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I would so appreciate if you left a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support. And now, let's get back to the episode. Well, welcome back, podcast friends. So right before the break, we were talking with Bria about some key communication tips that we should be thinking about when talking to our spouses or our fiance. So Bria, with that said, 
What are some key tips that you can give our listeners to start the conversation going? So I would say one of the biggest things I would tell um, couples would be to prioritize it. Prioritize financial planning. So if you, whether you're working with someone or you're doing it yourself, if you're budgeting, you and your partner want to deliberately make time to plan. So you know, maybe it's once a month, maybe it's every couple months, maybe it's if, if you're a spender, maybe it's once a week. You know, every Sunday night at, you know, nine o'clock, we sit down and talk about what we spent for the week. You could, you know, do it more often if you needed to. But you should really make the time to say, are we sticking to the plan? Is this, is, are we spending what we need to spend? Are we saving what we need to save? Are we making sure we're sticking by our goals? Um, so I would say that's really important. Um, I also really like having, you know, obviously I'm partial, I'm a financial advisor, but it's really nice to just have that third person. You know, um, sometimes, you know, if you're in marriage counseling, you know, um, and you're having working through a problem, it's nice to have that counselor say to you, well, did you think about how they felt with this? You know, you know, do you, do you did you think about maybe if this happened? And you've got somebody to bounce different scenarios off of you. Um, financial planners do the same thing financially. So recently I had a uh, client of mine who came into the office and um, it's a couple and they're getting married in September. Um, and, uh, I work with her parents and now I work with her and now that she's engaged, I work with her fiance and it's great. And, um, she's a saver and she has a hard time spending, you know, a large amount of money. Um, she wants to make sure she was instilled with this with her parents and and they're great savers. And I think it's fantastic, but they were talking about what to spend for their honeymoon and they had this wonderful trip planned out and she was really having a, a hard time, you know, writing the check for it. And um, he said to me, you know, can we come in and talk to you about it? And can you let us know whether or not this is this is silly or if this is something that we can afford to do? I said, absolutely. They came in. We did. We ran, ran their plan numbers. We looked. I mean, they're even looking into retirement, you know, looking at the numbers to see if they're saving enough for retirement. Wow, they're ahead at, of the game. Oh, yeah, they're, they're on it. But we <laughs> but we help them do that. Right. We make them aware of of the earlier you start with that, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. Um, so we went through everything and I literally I sat back and said, go on the trip. You know, take that trip. You can afford it. Um, so sometimes just having that other person, you know, say, it's okay. You can do that. You can buy that house. You can go on that trip. It's not all about, well, you got this debt and, you know, you can't spend this and you can't spend that. You know, we're also about the fun things, too. Right, right, right. Sometimes, um, you know, Steve and I joke around. He calls me Shoulda Sarah. <laughs> that's, that's like my nickname in the household. It's, you know, he'll be like, because I'll... I'll Believe it or not, sometimes I have second guess my decisions, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh, here comes Shirley Sarah, Shirley Sarah. So, you know, I mean, obviously, when it comes to the finances, sometimes when you say certain things that we got to do certain things, I'm like, ah, well, I'm not Shirley Sarah. Bria said it. <laughs> so there you go. Bria said it was okay to do it. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so Bria, I, I got a question for our listeners. How can they find, I mean, obviously I would love for them to find you, uh, but how, how can they actually find a, a, a great financial planner? Yeah. So there's a couple of tips that I could give you when you're looking for a financial advisor and making sure that you find someone who's right for you. Um, number one, it's always great to get a referral. If you've got, you know, maybe your parents or grandparents or an aunt and uncle or a really good friend that's working with someone that they love 
ask them for their name and number. Um, it's always great to be able to get a referral from someone you know who's worked with somebody else for years and that they are the ones that they call you back, they do annual reviews, you know, they make sure they um, respond in a timely manner, that they're, you know, managing what, whatever they might be manage, managing well, you know, so get a referral. Another really important thing is is FINRA, which is our regulatory um, board for the U.S. It's FINRA, F-I-N-R-A. They have a broker check. So you can go to a FINRA broker check. You can Google it, and it brings up this broker check. And you can put a person's name in there, in their firm, and you can look at how long they've been in business. You can look at what states they're registered in. And most importantly, you can look to see if they've ever had any disclosures on their U-4. Their U-4 is like our license, our okay. financial advising license. And if they've ever had a client complaint, it'll be on there. If they've ever had um, a client complaint, a, a client complaint that's led to um, like a, a, a settlement, um, it'll be on there. So often I have clients come to me that say, "Oh, we don't really love our advisor. You know, something's going on that I don't like." And I'll look up the advisor real quick and I'll say, "You." You didn't look him up because, or her up, because there's three <laughs> complaints on the thing. So it, I never knew about that. Yeah. So there's there's the FINRA broker check. So that's so, a little tip. So listeners, can you can you spell yep. it out? So it's FINRA, F-I-N-R-A. And if you Google FINRA broker check, um, you can put your, the whoever you're talking to or whoever you got as a referral, you can put their name in there and their firm. Or if you don't have their firm name, you could put in um, just the location of their office. So like for me, you could put Bria Hutchinson, West Warwick, Rhode Island. And our U4 comes up, and you can see um, if there's any disclosures or anything that you need to know. Um, another really important thing when you pull up that U4, you want to make sure that the license is a financial advisor. So you want to, in our business, we have to get series licensed. And we have a series seven, which means that we can do full investments. So we can do stocks, CTFs, mutual funds, everything. Um, some advisors only have a six which really only allows them to do mutual funds. You really want to make sure you're working with a Series 7 advisor just because they have the full range of investments to offer you. Um, and a lot of times Series 6 advisors might often, you know, maybe work for an insurance company or maybe they're not full financial advisors. And then you want to make sure um, that they're listed as a financial advisor and not such, such as like a registered representative. Um, then they can sell you a product, but they can't necessarily give you financial advice. So another tip there. Um, and then look for experience. You know, make sure you're working with someone who's been in the business for a little while. Believe it or not, everything we do in our, our career, we don't always learn in school. You know, I would say probably 20% of it I learned in school and 80% of it I learned doing it and working on the job. Um, and it's, I'm not, not to say that you shouldn't work with an advisor that's been in the business for a short amount of time. We've got some people in our firm that have maybe less than five years experience, but they work under us. So if you're working with a newer advisor, make sure that there's a senior advisor in that firm that's managing and, and overseeing everything that they're doing um, to make sure that you're getting the full expertise of a, of a financial advisor there. So let's talk a little bit about cost and pay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people listening right now, like you said, like they're just starting out. So they might think they might think that they can't afford you. I mean, you said earlier in the show that a lot of people actually say that. Mm -hmm. So what is roughly, what is someone looking at for, for cost of a financial advisor? Right. So I'll start by saying we get paid two different ways. Um, financial advisors either charge a fee for our planning 
um, you know, our planning takes a lot of time. I mean, if we're meeting with somebody and we're budgeting for them and, and we're going over all these numbers and stuff, we need to get paid for our time. We've gone to school. We've got the experience. We need to get paid. So sometimes we charge a fee. You don't work fee. for free? No, I don't work for free. <laughs> I, I, wish I wish I did a lot of times. I would really love to help everyone out, but unfortunately, I, we can't. Um, so we do charge fees for our planning. Uh, you know, a set fee for plan, probably $500 and up is what most financial advisors will, will charge. Um, up meaning that, that it's more complicated. Um, and like I said, we try to make it affordable for everyone. So we have a thing called advice pay that you can pay monthly. So maybe if it's a $600 plan, you can pay $50 a month and, you know, we're at your disposal to, to answer any financial questions that come your way. Um, there's some people in our office that are a little, um, they've been in the, the business a little less. They might even go down to 40 or $30 a month. Um, but that's great though, because then they're underneath your umbrella. They are. So that's yep. a great way. For somebody who maybe can't afford um, another type of advisor, they can afford someone who's underneath your umbrella. Absolutely. And we, we try to make it affordable for everyone. And then the second way we get paid is through um, management of funds. So if you've got somebody who has an IRA or a Roth IRA or just an investment account um, or a 529 plan or whatever it might be that we help them manage, um, there is actually fees internally on those funds that people might not realize and we'll make you aware of them and we'll make sure you understand them. But a, a percentage of those internal fees come to us as your manager. Well, thank you for going over all that. I'm sure a lot of listeners were thinking that as far as, you know, how to pay for a financial planner or what to expect for payment or what the cost is. There's clearly a ton of benefits for having a financial planner. Before we get into the wrap-up question, is there anything else, Bria, that you might want to add? Yeah. So one of the things that keeps floating around in my head that I want to make sure I get out is a lot of times when you're you're, you're being transparent with your partner and you're talking about financing finances, it's not always um, just the negative things. You know, sometimes you've got a partner who is really strong in a, in a um, specific area. So maybe you've got somebody who's really detailed oriented, Sarah, like you mentioned for you, that can do the budget and can pay the bills and keep track of what's going out. And then you've maybe got a partner who is better at understanding the investments part. Well, that's us. So, that's me and Steve. Exactly. He, exactly. He understands that, and I, I, but I'm, I'm, but I'm very. I think good you understand at... more than you go. That you just don't want to go. <laughs> you just don't want to have to talk about it. <laughs> don't, don't. We're live, Brian. We're yeah. live. <laughs> Hopefully, Steve doesn't listen. Uh, no, but there's, you know, there's a lot of um, benefits that you get out from um, leaning on your partner's strengths and letting them lean on your strengths. And I think by talking about this stuff and being open and honest about it, you can really figure out in a relationship who's going to be better at what roles. And um, and I think that's a really positive thing. I think it's awesome. I think it's great to end on that. A very positive note. There you go. You can at least figure out the strengths. And, then, and also, too, then you can both feel really good about going on that honeymoon or spending money on something that you really wanted or to family do. family vacation. Yeah. Sometimes those goals aren't just retirement 40 years out. You know, some of those goals are right a now. family vacation once a year or saving for that house or, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to accomplish those goals if you don't set plans in motion to be able to get those accomplished. So if you want a successful life as a couple financially, and you want to make sure that together you're moving in that right direction, then you want to plan for it. I love it. 
So with that said, let's do the wrap-up question. Okay. What are some key points that couples should be asking financial planners when they are inquiring to make sure that they are working with a professional company to ensure that their financial future is well-planned and mapped out for complete success? So one, make sure you're transparent about the fees. So ask them what, the, what it's going to cost. Ask them the scope of what they're going to help you with. Um, and then another thing that I think is really important is make sure they're independent. You really want to work with somebody who's not tied to one company. You want to make sure they're a non-captive uh, advisor, and they can work with many, many companies. Um, so those are all really important things to ask for. And also, too, I would assume that education, maybe? Absolutely, education. Find out if they have a degree. Find out their background. I always like to see, and you can see this on the FINRA check, too, um, how many firms they've worked for. If you've got somebody who's been in the business for six years and they've got three firms on their U4, you might say, why are they not staying with that company? You know, if they're bouncing around a lot. Um, be careful, because on that FINRA, it'll say whether or not, if it's a company that merged, then don't hold that against them. Right. You know, there that was there was no choice in that matter. But if it was an actual employment move, then that's something you wanna, you know, wanna take a look at. You really want somebody who's stable, who's been in the business for a while, has the education, um, has the resources. Um, you know, my clients, my clients will always ask me, and this is even from before, you know, I remember being pregnant and them saying, are you coming back to work when you, when you pop out that baby? <laughs> and I would say, no, 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 I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Um, but you want somebody who's invested in their, in their practice. You know, do they own the firm? Do they have employees? Um, you know, are they, are they young enough where they'll be around for a while, but old enough where they have experience? Or if not, do they have a succession plan? I'm not saying you can't work with somebody who's in their 60s, you know, they're probably great advisors too, but make sure they have a, who's going to be taken over for them. Do they have that in place so that, you know, in 10 years you're not, you know, left with having to find a new advisor. Um, so all really important questions to ask um, when you're, when you're looking for an advisor. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Wedding Secrets Unveiled. You helped our listeners become one step closer to their journey of a stress-free wedding planning and marriage process. Can you tell everybody where to find you? Sure. So um, my name is Bria, B-R-E-A. Last name's Hutchinson. I'm sure you can see me on the on the podcast advertisements. Um, but you can email me at bhutchinson uh, um, at wradvisors.com. If you Google me, my website will come up. And I'm, I'm right here local in Rhode Island. And what I'll also do for the listeners is we will have Bria's information along with the show notes on our blog and on our website, which is at sarahzarella.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Wedding Secrets Unveiled. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to tell you something. I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. We love photographing while having fun, of course. Check out our podcast page on our website for our show notes along with upcoming episodes with your local wedding experts. Listen in as we help you plan your epic event. And don't forget that you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate if you left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support and let us know what you think. If you know any wedding experts that would like to be a guest, we have a link directly on our website where they can let us know. Thank you for listening.